From Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal, and this is Next Round, a VinePair podcast conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how we move forward as a drinks business following the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with Sarah Hoffman and Kendra Koala. They're the founders of Maker Wine. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us, Zach. Hey, Zach. Hey. So let's start with a just a simple rundown. What is Maker? Uh, how did it come to be? Yeah. Um, so at Maker, we partner with small independent producers to can their premium bottle quality wines and tell their stories and really highlight the person and the place behind each partner that we work with. Um, and really the genesis of the company came from us as consumers of wine. We um, aren't Psalms. We aren't from the wine industry. We noticed in purchasing wine while we loved connecting to the stories behind small producers that we're mostly purchasing based on, you know, label art in the supermarket um, and wanted to create a different kind of wine company. We actually met in um, grad school and decided to take the leap to um, make a company that would make amazing wine more approachable and really highlight the people behind those wines. And I think that's definitely something that uh, comes through when you look at uh, the website and at the the packaging and all that, that, that there's an emphasis to both uh, you know, kind of, like you said, highlight the the people who actually make the wine, and then, uh, but also kind of fit it into the the overall aesthetic of the company. And so, you know, I have to imagine, as with you know, there's certainly other examples out there on the market, both you know, canned wine and others, of people buying wine and and sort of hiding the the provenance or or you know who made it. Um, and and I'm just wondering, you know, do you feel like there's like uh, I guess, how would I ask this question? You know, can you explain a little more why it was really important to to not do that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a little bit of one of the best kept secrets of wine, you know, that really today still these small independent producers are the lifeblood and, you know, do the, the vast majority of uh, the grape production and, and winemaking. Um, but as you, you know, very much pointed out, they oftentimes are not getting, you know, credit or are actually under... Uh, NDA and not allowed to talk about uh, their work with certain brands. I think Sarah and I, you know, really wanted to take, um, you know, completely the opposite approach and say, uh, these, you know, these small makers have phenomenal product and they are also incredible people with really cool stories and values. And so how can we, you know, bring that story and that person to life around that, that product experience? And um, yeah. And we did it because we love it, because we have, that's what we think makes wine and other craft products special. But um, the the side effect of putting the name of the maker right on the front of the can also means that they want to give us their best wine. They want to give us the wine that reflects them, because this is going to be their first introduction to a new audience and, and typically a different and younger audience than the one that they have. So on both the business side and on our personal you know, passion side, it's worked out super well. So when you started out, was it was it from the very get go with this idea we have to do cans, or or was there ever a point in which you thought about any other format? We were um, we were originally attracted to cans from um, some of my experience in the craft beer industry. I was familiar with mobile canning, uh, and you know having these trucks with canning lines be able to meet at the brewery or now the winery and can directly from the tank. So um, I was familiar with that model. And there were a lot of other things about cans that I think made it really attractive. Um, one, they're much lighter than the same amount of liquid in the bottle. So starting a direct-to-consumer e-commerce company, 
made a lot of sense from like a, a shipping and packaging perspective. Um, they're also single serving, portable. They were really taking off um, with the demographic that we were excited about. Um, and yeah, we've that was really the pull that we felt from the really very beginning. And it's a different product than a lot of our winemakers are selling. So it allows them to reach a new audience in a, in a new way. Cool. And as far as the actual size of the cans themselves, was that, uh, again, w- kind of what can you just, dis- can you kind of describe the, the size of the, of the cans and, and whether there was ever much deliberation about that? Because it's not a 12 ounce can. Yeah. So our cans are 250 milliliters, which is a third of a bottle. And we were really excited about those as consumers because we um, had the Coca-Cola size bottle uh, size can, the 375 milliliters, which is actually one half of a bottle and found that it was really too large for a single person to, to drink. And then also the temperature as you as you went through the can changed pretty dramatically from that like cold out of the fridge to really warm in your hand. Um, so personally, we were pretty passionate about that size. And then we did also look, I did a lot of research and looked at the data and found that while the vast majority of the canned wine market is in the larger size, consumers overwhelmingly prefer that 250 milliliter size. So um, we think that that's, that's only going to grow. Very cool. And as far as sort of figuring out what works with canned wine was there some trial and error have you found that there are certain kinds of wines that for whatever reason just don't work in that format or or to this point have you felt like whatever you've been interested in whatever wine has has been appealing to you you've been able to make work in that format yeah great question um so we like to say that we uh have the palate of our customers you know sarah and i are not sommeliers and we are not uh, wine producers ourselves. So really we take a partnership model and have looked to surround ourselves with um, you know, some of the best winemakers and you know, other creative voices uh, along the line. I mean, so to answer your question, I think that there are some choices that our winemakers make about um, what varieties to put in cans. Um, so for example, perhaps um, less oak or lighter styles that work both in a glass and in the can. But we found that the number one um, way to have high quality wine in cans is to put high quality wine into cans. <laughs> Fair. And that that's really, um, that is really why uh, there is that bias against cans and why, you know, they're, and we're starting to see more of that, but that really is number one. Um, and then we do also have, um, we have a lot of collective, collective knowledge around canning now. Um, we have a can coach, Chris Christensen, who has done a lot of can projects and is there to consult with our winemakers who are less familiar with cans. So we feel um, really uh, confident and excited by um, our wine quality and are happy to share that with others in the industry to continue to make sure that more great wines being put in cans. Awesome. And so I'm wondering, you know, when you, when you sort of are looking at how to, uh, I guess, you know, let me, how would I say this? So, I'll step back and restart this question real quick. So one thing that we've seen uh, at VinePair, especially during during COVID-19, although it's also been prevalent previous to this, is that with canned products in particular, you know, sort of variety packs are what people want, you know, whether it's hard seltzer, whether it's beer, et cetera, for people who are in particular doing a lot of their consuming at home or or at least, you know, purchasing a product either online or, or via sort of off-premise uh, retailers, 
the the variety pack is is important and and that's obviously something that you guys offer as well was that again something that was was core to the idea or did you sort of whether through market research or just you know feedback from from customers come to that conclusion well for us i think it's really a natural extension of our brand and brand promise we're trying to be this rotating selection of small batch wines from different makers so if you order you know our mix pack um, you're getting to try wine from three different regions, from three different makers with three different stories. So I think it really um, expresses our our concept super well. Very cool. Um, I, I think as you as you pointed out, I was just going to say, you know, we really see a, a lot of the value too in in facilitating discovery. Um, and so, you know, for for our brand and for others, you know, we're really excited to see consumers have. Uh, open minds and want those variety packs to to try out new new varietals and, and take a chance on new wines. So let's talk about what may have changed since mid March. So has business changed for you? How how so? If it has changed dramatically, and every month is completely different, as I'm sure a lot of other producers and companies can relate to. Um, when when uh, stay at home first happened, you know we were doing we had 30 events plus and other corporate engagements cancel. And so it was a really scary, sobering moment for us. Um, I think being a three-person company, we were able to, to pivot really quickly and, and continue to try things to um, keep sending wine to people. So, you know, at first we, we saw that people were isolated, feeling alone, and that they were actually really excited to be gifting wine and other things to other people to let them know that they were thinking of them. So you know, we repositioned our mix pack as the wine from home gift pack. And we saw a ton of people gifting and paying it forward. And then this, you know, chain of gifting happening where you'd gift someone and they'd gift someone else. And so that was like a really exciting thing to see as a company. And then more recently, we've really seen this uh, surge in virtual events. And um, one of the great things about cans actually is because they're single serving and small, you can open more than one in a city. And so they're actually perfect for tasting packs and for tasting sessions. So, you know, we've been bringing groups and teams and birthday parties of people together um, and having them and, and leading a tasting of these of these craft canned wines and telling the stories of the makers. So that's been two ways that we've, you know, we've really pivoted what we're doing to, to adjust to what's going on right now. That's a really cool idea. I'm, Curious kind of how that works out for you all in terms of like, is it ever, do you ever have too many of them scheduled? Like I can imagine if it's popular on a like Friday afternoon, it being like a a complete, like a bit of a chaotic mess, or is it just kind of like, Hey, we only have these time slots available and first come first serve. We are still figuring that out. You've nailed it. Uh, Our Wednesdays to Fridays are pretty insane. We don't get to drink for fun anymore. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I mean, they are fun. Yeah. And and I think also, you know, it's really exciting as we um, see more and more companies moving towards remote first and, you know, just the amount of uncertainty in the world right now. It has been, you know, last and um, really meaningful for our team to be able to create these connective experiences and bring people together. Um, and really, yeah, it's, we've, we've been having a lot of fun. Very cool. A couple of quick other questions for you. So is everything that you're doing DTC or is any of the wine sold through wholesale? Yeah, we actually do sell to small independent retailers throughout California. So you can find us at about 20 locations throughout the state. And we are always uh, looking to meet new uh, awesome retailers that we 
can partner with. Cool. Yeah, we also um, we have a can club. So quarterly, we'll send golf cans, including our limited release um, small batch red wines. And so that's been a, a great community that we're building. And we also um, connect our winemakers to our can club crew via virtual events. So we're, we're building something a little bit different than, than maybe what you've seen in canned wine. As far as sort of storing the cans, do you have any suggestions? Yeah. So, I mean, we really say we, we can the wine when it's ready to drink. Um, so we, you know, encourage people to fit it into their daily lives, whether that's, you know, the cooler on the go or in your backpack, uh, in a shelf or in the fridge. Um, and so, you know, for us, it's really more about uh, expanding how people can enjoy and experience wine to new places. Yeah, in terms of storage, like any other fine wine, you know, store in a cool, dry place um, at the appropriate temperature for for red, white, or rosé. And it, cans are a very stable format for premium wine. So we've seen um, great shelf life for them, and you can store them like um, any other wine that you have. And then I have a question to which you are obligated to answer truthfully. <laughs> With all the wines, do you drink it directly from the can or do you pour it in a glass? So our recommendation is if you're at home and you have a glass or in a glass, but if you're on the go and um, you know, you're at a park or you're at a party, uh, we're not snobs about it, drink it out of the can. Um, and that's to really get the full aromatic experience and enjoy it if you're at home. But like, we want this to be convenient and to fit into your life too. We actually just released the sparkling Sauvignon Blanc with Chris Christensen. And that is one wine where he recommends drinking it straight from the can. Effervescence is best, you know, right out of it. So it's really up to the wine and the maker and what works for for that wine. All right, and then I have I have one other possibly hard question. We'll we'll see how you feel. Can each of you pick a favorite wine? I don't know if you have kids, Zach. (laughs) I do, but just one. So right now, I get to have a favorite. We can each highlight a different wine that we just released. But I I truly do not have a favorite. It's very context specific. They're all such different wines for such different occasions. The reason we picked them is that we fell in love with each of them out of, you know, hundreds of samples that we tried for each wine. Uh, the one that we released actually two days ago is an amazing Pinot Noir by Hanley Cellars um, from the awesome matriarchy, the Hanley crew in Anderson Valley. It's a really light, bright, summer, fruit forward, beautiful out of the can or in a glass Pinot. And I've been drinking it nonstop over the past couple weeks. Good call. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great one. I am going to go with um, our Campo Vida Viognier. Uh, it's a very aromatic on varietal Viognier from Southern Mendocino County. It's organic and estate from Campo Vida. And uh, it's actually, uh, to our knowledge, uh, now the highest rated wine that has been put into a can. Um, and we have always been incredibly proud of this wine. It is very, uh, I said, aromatic. It's also opinionated. It's more like a fuller bodied um, wine with a lot of personality. And so I, I would have to say that one's kind of my spirit animal. <laughs> uh, one, one last question, because I meant to ask it earlier and I forgot. Uh, right now, it seems like you work exclusively with winemakers in California. Is there intention to expand that outside of California? Or obviously, there's a lot of winemakers in California, so there's no need to do that. I'm just curious if you're kind of looking, abro- uh, not abroad necessarily, but but at other parts of the country. 
Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we uh, are located in Northern California, so it was a very natural starting point. And the wine community here is phenomenal, of course, but we are so excited to uh, explore new wine regions and shine a light on uh, some new areas. So absolutely, that is uh, in the plans. Awesome. Well, maybe uh, maybe when some of that uh, comes to fruition, we can talk again about uh, canned wine all over the country, because I, I certainly think that uh, um, I've, I've become a canned wine convert over the last few years and, and uh, find that, yeah, a lot of it comes back to if you're putting good wine in cans, it will taste good. If you put crap, if you put crappy wine in cans, it will taste crappy. And that's not the can's fault. Yes, you get, you're you, hired. You get out what you put in. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Sarah, Kendra, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you uh, jumping on the podcast here and sharing a little bit. And for people who are interested, where do they find Maker Wine? Yeah, you can find Maker Wine at makerwine.com. And then we're also on Instagram at Maker Wine. And we have a lot of fun on Instagram. So definitely come check us out. And we are uh, very small. We would love everyone's feedback. We are uh, at the point if you reach out to us on Instagram, you will get Sarah. If you order um, a box from us, it will come from me and our teammate Zoe. Um, so we would love to hear hear from you and your ideas. Excellent. Well, uh, yeah, you folks go go free, go wild on the on the socials. And uh, again, Sarah, Kendra, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Zach. Enjoy the wines. Thanks, Zach. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vine Pair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.